0: Welcome back, I'm Ashley, your hostess for The Sharp End, a podcast brought to you by the American Alpine Club. I'd like to apologize for the in and out internet connection in today's interview, which will cover an incident that happened in 2010. Another thing my interviewee had difficulty with was trying to find a quiet place in a room with little echo. He decided to go in his partner's yoga studio. To combat the echo issue in that space, he built a fort with yoga blocks and yoga mats around his body. Go to www.americanalpineclub.org slash sharp end podcast to see pictures of the fort he built. During our conversation today, he told me an incredibly tragic story. He shared something that he saw firsthand something that he can never, ever unsee. Meet Steven.
1: So my name is Steven Lozano. I currently live in Quito, Ecuador. I'm 35 years old. I'm originally from Conifer, Colorado, and I've spent a fair amount of time up in the Northwest, uh, living in Portland, Oregon for a while. Um, I have a background in big wall climbing, mostly vertical climbing, a little mountaineering, and a few good seasons uh, before heading down here uh, backcountry skiing. This is where it leads my story today. is a good friend of mine and I, and another partner decided to do a January 5th summit, a skin summit up St. Helens.
0: And for the listeners, Mount St. Helens is an active volcano about 90 miles south of Seattle, Washington and about 50 miles northeast of Portland, Oregon and rises about 8,300 feet or um, 2,500 meters.
1: Uh, this was in 2010. Um, the weather has been good. Um, all of us pretty knowledgeable in the backcountry, country and uh, we had a nice alpine start and started off uh, Mount St. Helens and uh, just an average hike. Super stoked to be out there. Uh, beautiful, beautiful day. Um, yeah, everything everything seemed just uh, uh, perfect. We got about halfway up St. Helens. It was probably around 10 a.m. Um, looking nice, and we look kind of down. We we're above the timberline and look down, and we see uh, what appeared two gentlemen coming up from behind us. And uh, we heard him talking, and we're like, wow, where, where did these guys come from? Are you kidding me? Like, holy crap, they're, on, they're just on crampons. Like, these guys are, these guys are pushing it. And, uh, and we got like, we'll just keep going, we'll keep going. Uh, kept on trekking, kept on trekking, and these guys kept on catching up to us. And we're like, wow, man, these guys are really moving. So you know how it is in the backcountry. When you see someone kind of coming, it's, it's definitely pushing yourself to push more. So you're pushing yourself, and you're going. Um, we got just below the summit. And our third party guy was getting really tired, and uh, we saw a clear shot to the summit, and he was super safe. So two of us decided to uh, um, go for the summit and kind of just sit up there and, and enjoy the view and wait for our third party to show up. Uh, like we said, everything's nice, nice and safe and clear. Uh, still, just an absolutely beautiful day. Conceiver near in the background. It was just, you know, picture perfect. Super stoked to be out there with your good buddies. Um, as soon as we got to the top, I wouldn't say more than 15 minutes later, these two gentlemen just on their feet just came trekking up. Boom, 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 boom. We're like, hey, man, you guys are super fast. Wow, what are you guys doing? And he's like, oh, yeah, we've been up here a few times. We're like, okay, so, you know, tell us the story, man, how many times? He's like, ah, this is my 69th trip up. We're just, you know, doing it for fun. And at that time, they introduced their names.
0: And what were their names?
1: Uh, their names were Scott and Joe. Two very experienced mountaineers that's been all around the world, including Ecuador. Uh, They just recently got back from climbing Chimborazo. So these guys have definitely uh, been around. You know, your typical summit, shooting the shit, the weather's nice. It turned just noon. I think it was like 12.01, 12.02. We're waiting for our third buddy to come up. And um, Joe took off his backpack, set it down. He grabbed his blue mountain hardware softshell jacket. Uh, he had his, his beanie on, and um, he said, hey, I'm going to do Mount Rainier next week. I was wondering if you guys, you know, snap a photo of me. Would that be all right? Oh, yeah, of course, man. You guys are awesome, and, you know, no, not a problem, not a problem. So Joe kind of, we're standing in a line of three. It was Scott to my left, me in the middle, and my buddy Kurt to the right, and we um, we. We're standing there with the camera, and Joe started to take a knee, and he said, hey, can you please get Mount Rainier in the background? And all of a sudden, right at that point, he was standing on a cornice that we couldn't have tell. and the cornice broke out from underneath him.
0: And you're only a camera length away from him.
1: Five feet, six feet. And I remember just seeing him just drop. Like it was, it was like if you're holding the camera and you're like, Say cheese, and as soon as you say cheese, boom, he was gone.
0: Just vanished. Okay, and then what happened?
1: Um, I dove definitely more than I should have and caught myself kind of on the lip of where the cornice broke, and I remember seeing Joe looking at me, and he was just doing everything he can to scrape to grab the snow, ice, whatever he could get, and I remember just looking dead at him, and I would say my hands were within two feet from him at our closest point and he just kept trying to scrape just kept trying to scrape and then all of a sudden he, I saw him flip over and he just tried to dig his feet and then all of a sudden a big plume of uh, snow just came in and swiped him um, at that point I remember my buddy grabbing the back of my legs and then I remember hearing his partner Scott just started freaking out absolutely 100% freaking out um, he he is a very experienced mountaineer, like we said, but this was his best friend, his best friend of his whole life. And he just watched him fall into the crater of Mount St. Helens.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Um, from there, we we kind of reacted. Well, we think that we reacted correctly and, and very, very quick also. Uh, Scott was still in, in panic, and he was just screaming, Joe, 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 and we had to calm him down, and we're like, okay, Okay, first things first, uh, Kurt, get on your phone, call 911. Uh, Kurt ran to his backpack, which was, you know, five meters away, three meters away, and grabbed his phone. As he was starting to call, I heard a high pitched whistle. I took off my helmet. Uh, I heard it again, and I looked at Scott and I said, Scott, Scott, does, does Joe have a whistle? And he goes, Yes, he has the Fox 40. It's in his jacket. And at that point, we're like, Okay, then he landed somewhere. He's safe. He's okay. Let's, let's, um, Okay, let's at least uh, figure out what to do since Joe's backpack was still at the top uh, Neither of them had avalanche beacons. We had avalanche beacons on Um, We came up with a plan to uh, Send Kurt down on his skis being the most experienced skier Uh, We could see behind us a line of people. Uh, We were the first to come up the summit and We made a decision to take the avalanche beacon off of Kurt and put it inside of Joe's backpack uh, we stacked extra jackets inside there. We we knew he was going to be there for a little bit. Uh, we don't know how far he fell. We don't know his condition he was in. We just knew that we heard a whistle. Um, so at that point, we, uh, Kurt, got loaded up. We loaded up the backpack. Uh, we loaded up anything extras we could in there. We kept screaming and screaming. You oh, know, Joe, we're coming for you. Here's the backpack. You know, stay where you are. We're coming, We're going to get rescue for you. We didn't really hear anything else after that. Um, so at that time, Kurt took off, and he can tell you his side of the story if you ever want to hear it, but he said that his adrenaline was rushing so fast, and this guy's a double black diamond skier. He spent a lot of time in the backcountry skiing, and he said that he skied to where he felt his heart was just going to like pound out of his chest and just blaring down past people. And I remember coming down after him and seeing his tracks, and there was not very many turns that guy took. Uh, he said by the time he got down... Uh, there's probably like a mile where there wasn't much snow that he literally took his ski boots off and was running bare through foot through the woods to get to the ranger station to notify because we knew at that point it's probably around one it's been an hour since after the accident that we um he was going to be in there for a while, so we had to take his actions as quick as possible by the time he got down to the ranger station the nine one one call got dispatched to him,
0: okay, so Kurt skis down to the base of the mountain to secure more help you decide not to rappel into the crater to help Joe because you don't have the necessary equipment on board to descend into a crater with a 70-degree slope. Instead, you and, you and Scott continue to load some provisions into Joe's pack that was left on the summit with you um, and then toss it down to him, hoping he would be able to reach it, which he actually never, he never did retrieve his pack down in that crater. So what did you, what did you end up doing next?
1: We ended up uh, skiing down, the third party and I, and Scott just walked all the way down. Um, we By the time I got to the parking lot, uh, I remember snagging my friend's boots because I saw him kind of off to the side of the trail. And we walked up and there was full search and rescue ready and a helicopter was taking off. Um, at that point, we couldn't really do very much. We got a call later that night from the ranger that the... the Uh, Wind was too heavy inside of there, but they did spot Joe. He was sitting upright in an upright position, and they said that his backpack was, uh, I want to say, like, uh, what was it? Maybe like 100 feet from him. So it wasn't very big, but they didn't really give us much um, detail. They said it was just too windy to go in, and he's going to have to stay the night. Um, I remember that night. I didn't get a wink of sleep knowing that um, Joe was up there in. In trouble. We don't know his condition. Uh, nothing. Um, we talked to Scott later again that night, and he says, "No, if he, if he's around, he can get to his backpack. If he can move, he's a really tough guy." Um, so I remember just laying there with probably one of the longest nights of my life. And like I said, it's hard to believe that that you've met someone for ten minutes, but you're going through this experience of of just terror. Um, so. I got a call the next morning, um, maybe around 9 a.m., 10 a.m., and it was this, it was the the ranger and he called and he said um, the helicopter has spotted him and he's not moving. At this time, we're gonna declare that, that it is a um, that it is a body recovery and not a rescue. No. Um, that was one of the hardest phone calls that i've probably ever had in my life besides my grandpa passing away um that you you just you you felt like you didn't do enough right you you feel like you didn't you could have done something better maybe if you would have lunged a little bit more or if you if you I, i don't know had anchors to wrap rappel down to them or something it's just all these things go inside of your head um Later on, the, the other gentleman, Scott, his partner, he called and we talked about everything and he, he came by a, our store personally and gave us a hug and he said, thank you guys. What Everything you've done was great. I, I completely lost it. You guys kept me together. Um, you guys are the guys who got me off the mountain. If I was up there, just me, I would have gone in over after him. But you guys kept me calm. You guys did all the right procedure and you guys did everything to try to rescue my friend. Um, He said I have something to tell you. I'm since I'm friends with the rescue pilots. They said That day when they couldn't get him, they saw him sitting upright and he wasn't even um, He wasn't even brushing the drift away from his face when the helicopter got close to him But they didn't want to tell us that until the next day um, When it was 100% certain that he was that he was dead so there is a there's a feeling i have after something like this happens that you always wonder to yourself did you do everything well did they do something wrong did you do something wrong how could have this been prevented and and my buddy and i still talk about this to the day we're still super close friends and uh we said no matter how experienced you are like we said joe and scott have been up there 69 times this was just a a walk in the park for him and uh to to have someone so experienced to make a mistake by standing too close to a cornice is is just you just can't grasp it like, What what is he thinking but that that happens and that happens a lot nowadays um that an experienced person uses an old harness um doesn't double back doesn't tie a knot on the end of the rope or blatantly just stands too close to an edge um it was noon and it was just the peak of the day and he just hit too close to the edge so so it's something that you you can't even imagine. You can't even you can't even fathom that 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 that's real. It's real life. This is what happened. Or sometimes we just we get so comfortable in the elements, and then something like that happens, super super quick.
0: It's it's it interesting definitely... that all that there were four of you up top, and it seemed like you know you all got along so quick, and you were you were just joking around and having a good conversation with two strangers, and and it's like none of you it never even occurred to any of you to that there was a cornice there
1: yeah it didn't and not at all we knew we were definitely like you know all right let's stay back from the edge it's you know whatever but i guess the snowdrift have just made such a, a big cornice and even to these guys they have stood up there so many times that, that i can't even imagine i i've never done a mountain 60 something times um, And these gentlemen were probably in, I think he's 52. Um, But yeah, just not to be so aware or just to get so comfortable into that zone to be like, I'm just going to take one more step back. And he didn't really even look over the edge. He's just like, hey, can you get Reneer in the background? I'm going to climb it next week.
0: Yeah, that's insane. And, And I want to point out that the timing here is a major factor because this happened around noon on a sunny and warm day. And these two factors together may cause snow formations, such as cornices, to weaken and become less stable. So Steven, if the listeners could take away three major points, what would you want them to be?
1: Um, yeah, be, be aware of your surroundings, be aware of the, the time of the day. You know, it was still pretty cold up there, but it was, it was very sunny. Um, another one is to just always be prepared for everything. Um, you know, you have to take your backpack off to, you know, take take your photo or something, but, you know, maybe if he had his backpack on, like I said, we, we went through over so many scenarios. What if this happened? What if that happened? What, you know, maybe we should have left earlier. Maybe they should have left earlier. Um, I guess that goes back to, to know your surroundings. And, um, it's always good to go out with people in the backcountry who are experienced because, um, they're the ones that can make a difference of life and death.
0: Yep. And I think that point often gets forgotten. I was wondering, have you been in contact with Scott since the, since the accident?
1: Yes. I talked to Scott all the time, actually, um, after the incident, him is, like I said, him and his wife come into our shop next adventure, and he would bring a beer and we would chat and his wife would say just uh, an amazing uh, the person that Joe was. Um, it really, have only met face to face a handful of times. You know, we'll still send each other on messages during his um, anniversary of his death. He'll always post photos, and we'll comment back and forth to each other. So, um, in such great tragedy, like be you know, coming out with a friend and being able to talk with him about it. Um, my friend Kurt and I, um, we constantly talk about it. We we've summited many other peaks together. We've climbed big walls together, and you know, it, it created a bond between the two of us that. There's nothing like it. Um, We know we have each other's backs.
0: I asked Stephen what advice he would give listeners, and he said, Just Just be be safe. safe. And that's pretty sound advice, if you ask me. Because even on a beautiful, sunny day, you have to be constantly aware of your surroundings in the mountains. Gravity does not sleep. Thanks for listening to The Sharpened. If you have suggestions for the show or you want to be on the show, please email me at accidents at AmericanAlpineClub.org. Until next time, play hard and be smart.